Welcome to the High School Athlete Nutrition Podcast, where we chat about fueling your performance on and off the field, court, track, or pool. I'm your host, Stephanie Melitano, a registered sports dietitian who specializes in helping athletes optimize their performance with a strong fueling plan. Whether you're a seasoned athlete or just starting out, this podcast will provide you with specific strategies and practical tips to help you reach your performance goals. So join me as we explore the world of nutrition and learn how to take your game to the next level. This is a topic that I really think more athletes who menstruate need to know about. Join me and Dr. Kaylee Kars, a doctor of physical therapy, as we talk about the phases of the menstrual cycle, how to fuel through your menstrual cycle, and also some training adaptions that you can do to really listen to your body. But the key here is learning how to listen to your body because every athlete, every person is so unique. This is going to be a really good episode. You're going to learn a ton. So grab a snack, grab some hydration, and let's dive right in. On the heels of the FIFA Women's World Cup, I am really excited for this episode. I think you're going to learn a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of detail, a lot of research, but it's going to be a lot of fun along the way. So today we're going to break down a few simple things that you can do throughout your menstrual cycle to really support your health and your performance. I have a really dear friend and close colleague, Dr. Kaylee Karst here. She's a doctor of physical therapy. She's the owner of Mindful Movement and the co-author of a really amazing book that I got a sneak peek to, Eating and Moving for Your Cycle. Kaylee, I'm so excited you're here today. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm so, so excited to be here with you all. My name is Dr. Kaylee Karst. I'm a physical therapist and I'm the owner of Mindful Movement Physical Therapy and Yoga in Richmond, Virginia. I've been practicing physical therapy for seven years and I've had my clinic for four years. And my goal in starting my own private practice was to be able to spend time with my clients and get to the root cause of their issues. Um, So when I started my business in 2019, I quickly became friends with a local nutritionist named Heather Evans, and we got coffee and she gave me a few facts about eating for menstrual health and your cycle, including a couple of tips about eating and moving for PMS. And I was blown away. (laughs) So shortly after that, we started working on a book called Eating and Moving for Your Cycle. And we've been writing it for the past four years. And one of our big things in writing the book is that There's not a lot of comprehensive education on reproductive health right now. And so our goal was to give people the basics so that you can understand your body, um, you can advocate for yourself in the medical setting, and then simple tips that you can do um, outside of the medical setting just to live your best if you have a menstrual cycle. Yeah, I think that's incredible because so often you know, we don't talk about menstrual cycles enough and what they are, what they do, what to expect, you know, what's normal, what's abnormal, what's normal for you. Cause that's something I share a lot with my, with my athletes and my clients is, you know, normal for you could be slightly different than normal from someone else. So we can't really compare to each other. It's about knowing that research and being able to really kind of break it down and and work it for yourself. So I know that you did a ton of research for the book. I've seen the, just the links and lots of reading and articles and studies, and you've talked to a lot of people and broken down myths and shared tips. But before we dive into the specific nutrition and menstrual cycle piece, I think it's really important that we talk about what is the menstrual cycle? Because often when I'm first working with athletes and I ask them like, Oh, do you have your cycle? Can you tell me a little bit more about it? There's kind of two phases in their brain. It's I have my period 
or I don't, you know, that's kind of the, the menstrual cycle breakdown, but there are several phases that have impacts on your energy and the way you sleep and the way you eat and the way you train. So can you share a little bit like a quick synopsis of those different cycles? So first of all, we want to talk a little bit about the fact that if you're on hormonal contraceptives, you actually don't have a true menstrual cycle. So even if you have a bleed, um, you're not ovulating. So you're, you're not going to have the same, um, phases as somebody who is not on hormonal contraceptives. So that's something important to address beforehand is that we're talking about the menstrual cycle without inhibition caused by hormonal contraceptives. And then the second thing to realize is that most of the literature talks about the menstrual cycle as a 28 day cycle. And we just want you to know that it may be 28 days for you, but it may not. So that cycle length can vary person to person and even cycle to cycle. So this is where it's really important to monitor your monthly rhythms. So whether you do old school pen and paper or whether you have an app that you like, um, it's really important to monitor and learn your body, like you were just saying, because each body is slightly different and different phases in our lives are a little bit different too. So there are four distinct phases in the menstrual cycle. You have menstruation, which is your bleed the follicular phase, ovulation, and then the luteal phase. All right. So menstruation is the first day of your cycle until the end of bleeding. And menstruation is what we know as our period or menses. And it's the bleeding stage in which the uterine lining is shed. During your period, estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest levels. The drop in progesterone just before your period signals decreased blood flow and oxygenation to the uterus, causing the inner lining of the uterus to disintegrate. Prostaglandins stimulate muscular contractions to help remove the tissue vaginally, which is what we experience as our bleed. Toward the end of menstruation, estrogen promotes clotting and the regrowth of the uterine lining. The follicular phase is actually the first half of your cycle, which technically includes menstruation. The function of this phase is to prepare for our fertile window and ovulation. The follicular phase involves the growth and maturation of follicles, which surround the eggs in the ovaries until they are ready to be released into the fallopian tube during ovulation. It's characterized by a rise in estrogen and an increase in the release of follicle-stimulating hormone, also known as FSH, from the pituitary gland. The increase in estrogen signals the uterine lining to grow in preparation for potential pregnancy, and the rise of FSH stimulates the growth and maturation of follicles, which is necessary for ovulation. Ovulation is what we think of as our fertile window, but it's interesting to know that your fertile window actually starts at the end of the follicular phase. So this is something important to monitor if you are tracking your cycle. And ovulation occurs when the mature follicle releases an egg into the fallopian tube to be potentially fertilized if it comes into contact with healthy sperm. So the egg is released from the ovary, travels down the fallopian tube and into the uterus. If it comes in contact with sperm, it will implant into the uterine lining and this is what pregnancy is. And then if it hasn't been fertilized, it'll, it will disintegrate. The luteal phase is your last phase, and that's after ovulation until your period starts. And the luteal phase is the second half of your cycle, and it's the phase that we often associate with the dreaded PMS and other period symptoms. And again, we just want to emphasize that those are not normal, and there are ways you can decrease your likelihood of having PMS um, and any of those second half of your cycle symptoms. Progesterone is the primary hormone present in the luteal phase and is secreted by the empty follicle, which is known as the corpus luteum. And there's a small amount of estrogen um, produced too. 
Now, while estrogen promotes the growth of the uterine lining, especially during that first half of the cycle, progesterone plays an important role in keeping the uterine lining thick and healthy, which is necessary for pregnancy. So that's an overview of the four phases of your cycle. And we'll talk a little bit how those influence your performance in just a minute. Yeah. And so with that, we really have four key phases. So we're on, honestly, we're always ebbing and flowing and moving through these phases and our hormones are shifting and preparing and our body is, you know, cleaning, basically cleaning house, setting up the table again, and then cleaning house and setting up the table kind of over and over again, month after month. And, you know, you're really right in tapping into everyone is so different. And that's why, you know, when I'm asking athletes, you know, what is normal for you? Is it 28 days? Is it 34 days? You know, what, what symptoms do you have? Because not everyone experiences those extreme luteal phase symptoms. Sometimes people just, their period shows up and other times it's incredible pain. So that's something we, you know, definitely talking with your doctor, working with your team to make sure you have that in place and, you know, just some support can be there. But in terms of kind of what we're talking about today, what did you find in your research were some of the most impactful nutrition things that they, you know, athletes could do during their menstrual cycle? Absolutely. I think one of the most important things that we learned in this process is the importance of fueling your body well. If you're not eating enough to fuel your body, there can be long-term health consequences, even if culturally you're considered healthy. So athletes may have a higher risk of restrictive eating, especially if you're participating in sports that emphasize a lean body type. So we're here to remind you that our all bodies are beautiful bodies, worthy of love and acceptance, and your body needs fuel for physical and mental health. Yes. So your, your worth is not determined by your BMI or what's on the scale. We really want to start thinking about health in terms of what is your body doing for you and how are you fueling your body and promoting health in your body? That is so powerful, right? Right there. It's, you have to make sure you're eating enough. We have to end that cycle of under fueling and reds and the female athlete triad and really dive into just loving our bodies, giving all the essential fuel it needs for training. But I also say that you have to fuel the human self and that athlete self, you have to have enough fuel for both. So how do we start? What is that? You know, what do you focus on in the book in terms of that first step to focus on obviously eating enough, but then what do we eat? A really important piece of information for menstruating people to consider is that menstruating people and especially athletes need all three macronutrients. So you really need carbs, proteins, and fats. Endurance athletes may rely more heavily on fats for fuel during long longer training sessions than our non-menstruating counterparts. So again, it's important to keep a well-balanced diet, and that means including fats, carbs, and protein in your diet. And I think it's really important, especially for athletes to understand that we burn more calories in the second half of our cycles at baseline. So if you're feeling extra hungry during the second half of your cycle, or you feel more drained with your regular physical activity during this time, we really want to listen to our bodies. And it's important to increase your, your intake of healthy fats, carbs, and proteins. So during the second half of your cycle, during the luteal phase, you might want to pack more snacks and more hearty snacks and definitely eat a bigger breakfast. So really focusing on protein in the morning. Um, and you can do that several ways, but that's one of the biggest takeaways is that Second half of your cycle, you want to fuel well and make sure you're getting all of the macronutrients. Yeah, that's important because I think 
when I, what I see in a big mistake, a lot of athletes make is focusing on like, I have to have X number of calories per day or X number of macros, or I can only eat so much. I've already eaten. I shouldn't eat more. But what we're really sharing here is throughout your cycle, your energy needs ebb and flow, just like your training load changes from season to season from, you know, throughout the month, things are going to change too. And how much energy do you need? So that key message there is listen to your body. And if you are hungry, please eat. Yes, I totally agree. And I also think it's important to talk about periods in athletes specifically, especially younger athletes, because if you're missing your period or if it's a longer time in between periods, that can be a sign that you need to fuel your body more. And if you're experiencing period pain or irregular periods, it may also be a sign of overtraining. So a 2009 study analyzing 31 menstruating athletes found that 71% of the athletes studied experienced symptoms of PMS. And the most common symptoms included irritability, fluctuations in mood, and menstrual cramps, among other complaints. So again, we want you to remember that your body changes throughout the month. So there will be times when your body needs more rest. Culturally, we're not good at leaning into that, but I think that the first place to start with this is awareness that you may need more rest as you get closer to your period and during your period, and that's okay. You don't have to feel the same every day. Yeah, we have to embrace rest days. Yes. That's what I ask a lot when athletes are like, oh, I take rest days on like a Sunday or a Saturday or Friday. I'm like, is it a true rest day or is it an active recovery day? Because those are two separate things. If your body needs the rest, please take it. Absolutely. And one of the things that we like just to determine if you truly need a real rest day or if you might feel better if you move, um, we call it the three minute test. So if you're having kind of a blah day, which happens to all of us at some point, uh, get up and walk for three minutes. If you feel better with walking, it may be that you need a little bit of light activity. But if you feel worse with that three minutes, it's definitely a sign that your body may need more deep rest. Yeah, I love that. Just a quick, quick tool, quick test. And then the other thing we wanted to talk about is that BMI may not be a reliable indicator of health. A 2015 study analyzing 40 menstruating endurance athletes found that although technically these individuals were in a normal BMI range, 63% of these subjects had low energy availability, 60% had menstrual dysfunction, 45% had poor bone health, and 25% demonstrated characteristics of disorder eating. So these stats are super important because they make you realize that you can't assume a person is healthy just because they're an athlete or just because they have a certain BMI. And this is where we really emphasize health in all aspects. So health doesn't just include BMI and weight. Health is Are you able to get through your day? Do you have period problems? How is your mental health? Do you feel good throughout your cycle? So it's really introspective work. And that's where keeping track of your period and noticing how you feel throughout your cycle is so important because that's also a good way to update your team and figure out if any symptoms you're um, having may relate to hormonal issues. Yeah. And those numbers are staggering, like those percentages of how many athletes have low energy availability, which, you know, really means your body just doesn't have the fuel it needs to thrive as a human, let alone train sufficiently and be a good, strong athlete. And so it's so important that we're looking back and we're saying, okay, just because you were quote unquote in a normal weight or normal BMI doesn't mean that we're our best self, our strongest self. And BMI is 
it's trash. I hate BMI when it comes to athletes. I totally agree. It is total trash. And I think it makes it really hard because if you are a patient within our medical system, if you're within that normal range, a lot of questions don't get asked. So this is also where it's important to understand your body so that you can advocate for yourself. Because if you're within that normal range, it might be assumed by your providers that you're healthy. So it's really important to keep track of your symptoms in order to be able to advocate for yourself. And then I think it's also important to understand that there's long-term consequences of having low energy availability. And I know that you talk all about this in your podcast um, on red. So anybody who's interested in learning more about the effects of low energy availability can check that out. But a 2018 cross-sectional study that analyzed 1,000 menstruating athletes found individuals with low energy availability had an increased risk of menstrual dysfunction, decreased bone density, metabolic problems, psychological problems, cardiovascular problems, and GI dysfunction. These changes may negatively impact things like coordination, concentration, training response, and endurance performance, and may lead to higher instances of irritability and depression. So that lists all of those things affect athletes. So if your coordination is off, if your concentration is off, if your training response isn't what it could be, those are all things that influence your playing and how you perform in sports. So that's where we really want to encourage you to eat to fuel yourself and eat to fuel your training, because that's just going to help with everything that you do. And I see this a lot in clinic too, where GI dysfunction. So if you're having GI problems, it really sometimes relates to the fact that you need to eat more, you need to eat more healthy fats, carbs, proteins in order to fuel your body. Yeah, that it's so it's true. And when you look at REDS or relative energy deficiency in sport, they really break down the symptoms into performance-based symptoms and then health-based symptoms. You know, so as an athlete, we're always thinking performance, 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 building muscle, doing this. And, you know, but if you can't build muscle or if you're injured more often, you can't focus on the field, that's going to impact your performance, but also health-wise. You know, you mentioned the GI tract is is really big. I, I work with a lot of athletes who have disordered eating or eating disorders and they're always saying, oh, my stomach is hurting really often. It's because your body needs that fuel. Your your GI tract uses a significant amount of fuel just to thrive and kind of work that food and digest that food. So it's important that you're fueling not only for training, but also to keep your brain, your immune system and your GI tract really strong. And I also think that's this is a little bit counterintuitive because when you're having stomach problems, a lot of times the disordered eating goes hand in hand with being fearful of certain foods and recreating the digestive problems. So I think that it's important to kind of reframe that and definitely work with a professional if you're having digestive issues, especially if you're an athlete or you're playing sports, because that can interfere with your um, sport performance. But increasing the diversity of the food you're eating can fuel your gut and your gut microbiome and help you feel better. So if you're having GI dysfunction, it's important to follow up with a provider and find a provider who helps you um, and who really understands the specifics of nutrition within the context of sport or whatever you're doing. Yeah, that's important. It's finding someone who listens, connects, and really helps you make those changes. I love that. Any last little tips for athletes when it comes to nutrition and their cycle? Yeah, absolutely. So 
One of the big tips for menstruating athletes is that if you're feeling unusually tired, it's really important to have a good provider on your team because if you menstruate every month, you're losing blood. And if you have a heavy period, you're you're losing more blood than an average bleed. Um, and we want to talk about the fact that a heavy period is anything more than a third of a cup of blood throughout your entire cycle, which is kind of wild. So when we live in our bodies, we're used to our periods, how they are. So you may have heavy menstrual bleeding and not know it. So about a third mm-hmm. of a cup is a good um, landmark to know if you have heavy cycles. So if you're bleeding through multiple tampons per hour, or if you have to wear a pad just in case, if you're bleeding through pads or tampons overnight, those are good signs that you might have a heavy period. And if you have a heavy period, you're more likely to have symptoms related to anemia or low iron. So if you're feeling like just drained during the second half of your cycle and into your period, if you feel exhausted, if you just don't have that usual energy during that time, it's really important to talk to a provider and get lab work done to rule out iron deficiency. And then there's other micronutrients we lose during our bleed. So um, really fueling in the second half of your cycle up to your period, um, You know, if you're vegetarian or vegan, you want to mix vitamin C with iron. So if you're having um, like lettuce or spinach, kale, those sorts of things, squeeze some citrus juice on top because that will help with the bioavailability of iron um, if you're vegetarian and vegan. If you're not vegetarian and vegan, there's really good health benefits to like whole food sources of meat. So whether that's red meat, like having a steak, um, salmon, those sorts of things, you just want to make sure that you're fueling your body and you're taking into consideration that there is a um, micronutrient loss when you have your monthly bleed. Yeah. That consistency is key and really looking at, you know, making sure you're eating enough iron all month long, but really honing in around and before that menstrual cycle to prepare for the loss that's coming is, is important. And if you do find yourself having a heavier flow or feeling more fatigued, working with your provider, whether it's a physician, sports dietitian, really making sure that you've got a plan in place to elevate that fiber or not fiber <laughs> iron so that you are really honing in on your health and your performance. Let's transition into training. So how do we adapt our training based on those four phases of our cycle? Yeah, so absolutely. First of all, if you're an athlete, you may not have full control over your training schedule. So just give yourself grace if you're not on your A game at the end of your cycle or while you're on your period. It definitely doesn't mean that you can't play and excel during those times, Um, but you may want to just go a little bit more light in your training uh, if you have a game during um, the end of your cycle or into your period. Um, and then you really want to focus on warm ups. So, menstruating athletes may have a higher risk of certain injuries like ACL tears um, and then ankle instability. So, warm ups are vital and it's important to move your body in different ways. A lot of us who play sports like to do the sport and stay in sports related activities. But we encourage you to diversify your routine. And if you're a menstruating athlete, you really want to focus on glute strengthening and hip stability. So you can do that by doing any exercise that stands on one leg, um, doing balance work on a BOSU or balance board. Bridges are a great option anytime throughout your cycle or throughout the year in between um, seasons. You can do them whenever, wherever. 
plank and side plank. Again, no equipment needed, easy ways to work on core stability. And really anything else core related or balance related will help you perform at your best and can help you decrease your risk of injury. Yeah. I think diversifying training is something I stress with all all the athletes I work with, because so often they will be, you know, soccer all year round or, you know, baseball all year round. And really we have to change that movement. So whether it's yoga, stretching differently, going to a strength coach can really help with just injury reduction and you reducing that risk of, of having some things that can take you out. Sometimes injuries are just a couple of weeks, but sometimes, you know, like you mentioned the ACL tear, like that's, I've been through that. And that's, that's months of, of work and like over a year of really kind of working on building that muscle back. So that's incredible advice. Before we go, Kaylee, can you share where listeners can find you on the World Wide Web, you on social media, and how they can access your new book? Absolutely. So we will be starting our pre-sale very soon. Our website is easy. It's eating-moving.com. So you can get on our email list on our website. And we are big on social media. So our Instagram and TikToks, um, we're more active on Instagram, and that's at eating period and A-N-D period moving, M-O-V-I-N-G. So feel free to reach out. We love having an interactive platform. We use Instagram for that. So we do a lot of quizzes and just talking about different aspects of hormone health and um, reproductive health. So we encourage you to reach out and become part of our community. And we're excited for you all to get access to the book. Yeah. Eating and moving your, your social media is really great. I think, cause one, you just open up the conversation and you make it normal to talk about hormones and menstrual cycles. And you raise questions that people maybe haven't thought of before. So I think the book is going to be a fantastic resource for a lot of athletes and even parents of athletes who just want to learn more and how they can help and support and, and reduce their athletes risk of injury and keep them on the field and keep them strong. One final question before we leave, and it's really, you know, kind of a random one, but I love adding this in. If you can have an unlimited supply of one food or drink, what would it be? I think it would be coconut water. Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's because it's summer in Virginia right now and it's just (laughs) hot and swampy outside, but I think coconut water. Oh, Okay. That's, I don't know if I can, I love coconut water for other people. I can't get behind it for some reason. I was doing a hydration station recently and I made a homemade sports drink with coconut water. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. And I made another one that was, you know, more, more OJ based and the coconut water. I don't know. I've just always been able to pick up on it, but it is a great source of electrolytes. If you add in some sodium and that sort of stuff. It is. And in the summer, I'll add in a little bit of salt into my yeah. coconut water. And, and it's weird, the sweet and the salty, I just for whatever reason, love that during these hot summers. That's fantastic. Great for hydration. Great for helping blood flow as well. So really, really great. Well, Kaylee, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It has been amazing. Athletes, I hope you learned a lot. We're able to take a few nuggets away. And don't forget to check out her website and Instagram. There is so much we need to learn and really open up about when it comes to our menstrual cycle. Now, I do want you to know that it doesn't matter where you are in your cycle, you can still excel as an athlete. Remember, Olympic gold medalists and World Cup champions succeed at all points in their cycle. My goal as a sports dietitian is to help you take your game to the next level. If you found this episode interesting and helpful, please visit the show notes to access Kaylee's new book, Eating and Moving for Your Cycle, and to access additional resources that we talked about today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the High School Athlete Nutrition Podcast. Each episode, we are breaking down the basics of nutrition for athletes to help you take your game to the next level. 
Until next time, happy fueling athletes.